Welcome to Philly Sports Now, a Philly fan podcast. My name is Zach, and I am here with Andrew and Nick. And uh, it has been a little while. You're going to get hit with two episodes today. Sorry about the one episode being delayed. 100% on me for not editing it in time. Uh, That is going to have been our post-Eagles loss. um, And going out into the postseason that we did not make. And uh, now we are here without a head coach. We We haven't even met. Since Doug Peterson uh, fired, walked, mutual separation, we can talk about that if you guys want. Um, but that's the big thing with the Eagles. Uh, plenty of other great news, though. A 2-0 and Flyers team against uh, two, uh, two wins against the Penguins so far. They're actually playing tonight. Uh, Nick, who are they playing? Uh, the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. They're playing the Sabres. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, and then a lot of Phillies news coming out of the ground right now. Um, I know that we just signed uh, a couple free agents, I think. And uh, a lot of JT Realmuto uh, negotiations happening. So needless to say, we should just get going because this is, I feel like, going to be a jam-packed episode. And I-, I think we should start off with the Eagles because... Uh, it's what I'm most eager to discuss is the fact that a, um, in my opinion, losing Doug Peterson was a big mistake. Uh, B, if uh, if 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 the rumors are to be true, then uh, McDaniel's of the New England Patriots is most likely going to be our head coach. I uh, I don't I don't feel confident about that choice at all. Um, to me, I'm not gonna lie. It feels like, feels like you're hiring a rival just straight up. Um, and on top of that, I don't think he's very well qualified to be the head coach that we need. Um, but to back it up a little bit, let's just talk about Doug first. Cause I feel like this is going to be our quick farewell to Doug. Um, you know, the man that brought us a Super Bowl win and, uh, left after, I believe Nick sent it in our text group, one bad season, which, uh, facts, facts, one bad season. And can't believe we're sitting here without, without Doug Peterson. Um, now you guys just tell me how you feel about Doug not being part of the team anymore. And if you want to bring it up, tell me also, if you think that the main reason, if you agree or disagree that the reason's most likely because uh, Doug wanted to work with Hertz and Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman wanted Wentz. Um, why don't we start off with Nick? So, for starters, um, I'm I'm still furious about the getting rid. To this was just a. a um, a knee-jerk reaction to having one bad season. And I think it's a foolish decision. Uh, I, I don't I don't see why you make this choice. Uh, to me, you gave Doug Peterson a, as short of a leash as you gave Chip Kelly. And Doug Peterson won you a Super Bowl three years ago, playoff team last year, playoff team the past three seasons. 
Um, I, I, I think it's ridiculous. And to me, it epitomizes um, – because I heard a lot of it coming from the fans. And to me, it epitomizes uh, some of the Negadelphian attitude that I have repeatedly said I'm sick of uh, in this fan base, in this city. Uh, and it's hard to it, it's hard to, to back this one. I see all over Twitter, you know, they're saying uh, – you know, fire Doug, fire Doug. Then they fire Doug, and it's like fire Howie, fire Howie, fire Howie. It's like, you know, and the most frustrating part about this whole thing is, is, is I'm just so sick of this "woe is us" attitude that this fan base has. We won a Super Bowl like three years ago. I I don't understand this sky is falling. We're so unlucky, BS, that, you know, it's just not true. In in our lifetime, the Philadelphia Eagles are probably a top five winning team in the entire NFL in our lifetime, the past 25 years. So to sit here and say, oh, the Eagles have, have it so hard right now, I, I just think it's BS. And I think Fire and Doug is a knee-jerk reaction that is – I don't know what they're thinking. I think Howie Roseman – uh, is just being absolutely, um, I, I don't know, coddled by uh, Jeffrey Lurie. And I think he's, un- not I think, he's untouchable. I, I mean, he's absolutely untouchable. Uh, he is Jeffrey Lurie's right-hand guy. And I'm sure we'll get into it, but we have to talk about the Jeffrey Lurie press conference because oh that God. was the worst press conference I've ever heard in my entire life. He said so many things during that press conference that made absolutely no sense. Um, between defending Howie's picks, uh, he said he said Howie Roseman uh, he knows the right picks. The picks just get taken ahead of when we want to take them, so we don't get them. That was his actual response to a question about how he's drafting. When both Justin and Jefferson and DK Metcalf were there for the taking, right? So that's that's article number one. Why that doesn't make sense. Article number two is that's part of drafting. Your picks are going to get picked, and then you have to make the best decision available. So he's, it's like that is, that's a horrible defense, right? Um, there's so much you can get into that press conference. And, it, uh, you know, Jeffrey Lurie making it sound like, you know, he lo- he's saying he loves Doug and, like, oh, special place. I just don't. I guess my rambling here is I just don't understand why you fire him. Like, the only reason you fire him is the only reason I can think of, and that's that him and Carson aren't on good terms, and it's a Car- it's Carson's team, and you know what? If that's what has to be done, I guess that's what has to be done. But um, I'm sad to see him go. I wish him the best. I hope he gets another head coaching gig. It sounds like he might get an offensive coordinator spot in Seattle. Which I would love to, because he'd probably he, he's going to be right back in the Super Bowl hunt next year. So, I, I, you know, I wish him the best. I hope he has a super successful career. I'm going to root for him just as hard as I root for Andy Reid now. And you know what? Oh, I, I'll root for him more I, than I, that. I hope yeah. Big Red wins the Super Bowl again this year. So, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm pissed off about it, um, because I loved Doug. I think he was fun to watch. He was. I liked his style of game calling you know i liked the fourth down aggressiveness um and uh of all the things wrong with the team this season uh doug peterson was on the very bottom of my list yeah i i, I couldn't agree more I, I mean i've been here and, and you know 
he, I've absolutely complained about Doug this year because he had a bad year. But like, I never wanted Doug to get fired. And what I did want was I, I, I wanted him to give up the offensive coordinator spot on the team, which maybe, you know, maybe that was something that came up in conversation. Maybe, maybe uh, Jeffrey Lawyer was like, look, you can't be OC and head coach. Like, you gotta, you gotta pick one or move on. And so Doug was like, screw it. Screw you guys. I'm out. And, and, and you know, the more I think about it, the more I do think Doug really walked. I, I do think there was a discrepancy and uh, he, he wasn't having it. And, and I, if that's true, I kind of respect it. I, I heard the best take on that from Pat McAfee. I don't know if you know Pat, the Pat McAfee show. Um, and uh, and he was like, he was like, I think I think Doug Peterson just walked into that room, just like put it out all on the table. It was like, no, I'm not doing any of this crap that you're telling me to do. I'm going to run the team the way I want it. And they were like, no, you're fired. And he was like, fine, peace out. I'm out of here. See you later. And he's like, he's like, and that is such a baller way to go out. Like, I love yeah. it. And like, I think that is what happened. I think I I agree. I think Doug was like, I don't think Doug had a say in anything on this team, really, except for calling the plays during the game. Which like, is, I really don't think he had a say. Right, and, and he was as like the head coach of this franchise. There is no reason that Howie should have had that much more power than Doug. Like, like the fact that Doug had zero input in his own coaching staff is is laughable and i think i truly think the eagles downfall can get traced back to the press conference where doug said that he was keeping all of his coaches and then the next day how he fired them all i I think that was the true downfall the begin of the downfall of our current philadelphia eagles and and i i've said it off the air i I don't think i've said it on the air i've said it to you guys i've said to dad you know i think we're in for a drought man i i think jeffrey laurie and howie roseman are the the tag team from hell that is going to ruin just franchise I, I i to go back to that jeffrey laurie interview nick um i couldn't get over first of all jeffrey laurie was basically just worshiping howie roseman like it was the most pathetic thing i've ever heard it was, the, it he was, was insane. he was straight up just worshiping and, and, look, and the look, thing that I, made me, I still like howie but to not criticize him at all exactly it was no a bad sense. season and there is plenty of blame to go around and you can be a professional and like you, all he had to do was say you know we obviously made some mistakes that we're gonna have to work on off season not once did he acknowledge anything wrong at all in that press conference right and, and my biggest thing that i kept that i cannot forget is when he goes, oh, yeah, you know, we've had like five different people come out of this organization that are now GMs and other franchises. Yeah. And that just shows how strong of a fr- – it's like, oh, uh, hello, maybe those guys wanted out because they had zero control. Or maybe why aren't we listening to those guys that are leaving? Like, Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like, okay, yo, now we're a GM factory, okay? Get get out <laughs> yeah. of here with that. I don't, why would I care that, our, that, that there's people who are successful in other teams from – our general manager helping them. Like, what does that, that doesn't prove that your general manager is making good decisions. (laughs) And you know what, like uh, Nick, to your credit, you you know, you've been ragging the Philadelphia fans for a little while. And uh, I, I, I kind of uh, agree to an extent after this past, uh, this past weekend, uh, I was able to watch the, uh, the Buffalo bills playoff game with my friend who is actually from Buffalo and a Buffalo fan. And, uh, they're going to the AFC Championship now, and you know it's so funny because like he 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 was it practically seemed like he was about to tear up. He was so happy because the Bills are going to a championship game, 
And this is the first playoffs they've had a win in in 25 years. And that was so sobering to me as a Philadelphia Eagles fan because, I mean, we've been in the playoffs most of our lifetime, I feel like. Yeah, we've probably it, only I think I think of the last twenty years we made the playoffs twelve times. That's what, like, like, that. like I and probably I, meant, we probably went to the championship game off the top of my head seven of those twelve times. I, I like, have to give you credit, Nick. You're you're absolutely like you you got it to a point where Philadelphia fans are spoiled. We really are. And but but that being said, I think being a critical Philadelphia fan is is kind of in our nature and. Like I, I'm watching Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie just burn this franchise. Like between I, the way it's treated the head coach, between the way that it's treating the quarterback, between the way the players get no say in anything, and they just it like it, there there is zero chance that there is no tension. There's zero chance that there is any good uh, mojo in that locker room right now. That locker room is a mess. There is no doubt in my mind. Um. Let's get back on track. Andrew, how did you feel about Doug walking, fired, whatever we're calling it now? What are your thoughts on that? As soon as Andrew's done giving that input on Doug, we'll get into the potential candidates, uh, including McDaniel as the new head coach. Yeah, first, a couple things you guys touched on. Zach, you mentioned Nick on, on the fans. And I was part of that last week. And you mentioned the word critical. Again, there's a difference between being critical and then calling for somebody's job off of one bad game or one season. Correct. Like I said, we have been critical all season long. We weren't asking for anyone to get fired. Exactly. Like you said, you were critical of Doug Peterson all year, but you never once were calling for his job the entire year like some people. But anyway, to get back to the point, um, going off, I wrote a couple things down as you guys were talking, and uh, the first thing, the first thing, Zach, you mentioned coming into the show and you mentioned it before you turned it to me was – did did Doug get fired? Did he walk, et cetera? What's the word to use here? Obviously, when it happens, you see the word fired and everything, and that's the way it goes. And I know you guys said you want to touch on it, so sorry to bring another thing in from the press conference from Jeffrey Lurie. But at a time, there was a point in that press conference, and this says it all right here, and why I 100,000 million percent believe Doug Peterson walked out on the Eagles and didn't get fired. There was a point in that press conference uh, that uh, Jeffrey Lurie literally said the words, and remember, this is the guy that quote unquote fired him, along with Howie Roseman, obviously. But there was a point. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie said this to start the quote: "Did Doug deserve to be let go? No, he did not deserve to be let go." End quote. So then, why did you let him go if yeah. he actually got let yeah. go? Yeah, um, I, I couldn't agree more, Andrew. So that, that's point number one. Point number two, you mentioned it. Is it because it went? Is it because it hurts? I'm gonna go with honestly, neither. I think Doug Peterson can coach Wentz. I think Doug Peterson can coach Hurts. I think Doug Peterson walked out and left because of Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. I think he truly believes in himself to coach Jalen Hurts, and he believes in himself to coach Carson Wentz. I think what he got tired of was Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. And that, I mean, I've mentioned this before. If you don't like your boss, you're not entitled to stay at that job. If you don't like your boss, you can leave that job. That goes for these guys making millions of dollars as well. And I think that's what happened here. Um, again, Doug Peterson's smart enough to know he might not be a head coach this upcoming season, but he'll get an offensive coordinator spot and then be back in the head coaching, uh, search in 2022. He's smart enough to know that. And, and this is why it also bugs me what the Eagles did. They kind of messed Doug Peterson's chances up to be a coach next season. Cause they fired him a week and a half later after the season. So a lot of teams were already three fourths 
away in their uh, search, coaching search. And I mean, some coaches were already hired by that point. So he already got kind of knocked down a little bit because he fell behind the eight ball because of that. Uh, so that was kind of also for as much as they talked about how much they respected Peterson. If you really did, why didn't you help the guy out and do it right away? So he could have found a job this season. Um, but I think uh, that the big thing here again with Doug for me was, I think you go, you go back to the end of 2019 season they forced him to fire um, the offensive coordinator. I'm blanking on who it was, um, but he had a lot of respect for him. He promoted him from quarterbacks coach to that offensive coordinator spot the year after Frank Wright left. And then the Jeffrey Laurie and or I don't know which one, Howie Roseman forced him to fire him. Um, and then same thing this year, they were telling him basically which OC and which DC to hire when Jim Schwartz retired. And then obviously whether we don't know what the situation was, if he was going to be forced to hire an offensive coordinator or not. But, I mean, you don't want to be told what to do. I mean, this is – if they can control whatever players they want to get and all that, but these are the guys you're going to be sitting in the room with seven days a week playing in games from your offensive standpoint, your defensive standpoint, where to have guys on the field. Um, and I don't – I mean, I wouldn't want to be told which coordinator to bring in. I mean, for all you know, the guy the guy they're telling him to bring in, he might not even get along with or he might not even like or something like that. I mean, he's been around the league for a while, so he knows guys left and right, and he has connections and guys he probably doesn't like. So it's obviously a tough spot there. I'm fully disappointed because, listen, I mean, we'll get into the candidates here in a little bit, but, I mean, are we going to sit here and say, oh, that guy's going to be a lot better than Doug Peterson? I mean, I mean, I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but I don't think any one of us are going to say whatever coach we're about to talk about is going to be a better coach than Doug Peterson. Um, so I think it was disappointing. I mean, nothing but thanks and respect to Doug Peterson for what he brought to the city. Um, obviously, he's already got a statue outside the, the stadium. So, I mean, obviously, he was respected enough to get that with Nick Foles. Um, so, I mean, I think we're going to uh, – I mean, I think a coach can come in here and we're going to have ta- talent in the future. But I think we're going to miss him from the, from the jump. He was well-respected in the locker room. Um, and it's sad to see him go, especially in this way. You can't, like, walk out with good – kind of good feeling you kind of walk out with some people bitter some people happy it's just a weird it's just a weird situation and I think this goes to show where the front office is and Howie and Jeff and I think last thing on that is you have um you have guys coming out saying they're not interested in the Eagles coach head coaching spot and I think that goes to show because of who's um who's in the office and that's why because people want to come in and be able to do um, what they can and the most recent one of that is Brian Dobble from uh, the Bills offensive coordinator he was uh, expected to be a, a high interest of the Eagles because of rejuvenating Josh Allen's career kind of after a slower start and similar to Wentz's play style but he already I think I don't think he flat out said it but reports said he's not interested so I think that goes to show where this front office is at and how they treated Doug and, and that's why Doug left not got fired and so Something you said there, Andrew, that I I want to hop on while we go into the potential potential coach discussion, which it's kind of a shame, really. We're we're recording this the night of January eighteenth, and I I think that decision is about to be made like tomorrow, maybe Wednesday. Like I think this week for sure, we got to find out who this new head coach is going to be. Um, but not, something you not talked about, not according sorry. to Jeffrey Lurie, that was another great tidbit from his uh his press conference. He came out with a statement. It'd be great if we were the last team to hire a coach because then we would get to pick anyone we wanted. That was his, that was what he said. What? Right. right. So Howie what? Roseman, Howie Roseman yeah. doesn't get the picks he need because people pick him first. But a head coach—that's when you want the last pick. That makes no sense. We want. We. It would be great to be the last people to to choose our coach because we would get a say in anyone we wanted. He's. He's. he's that's. 
That's that. What? He's incompetent. The, He's incompetent. The, the people. In football. The, the people. Who that means you lost out the, six players or coaches already. <laughs> yeah, the people who signed the f- coach first got the say in everyone they wanted. It's logic. Like, so, like, I I want to talk uh, again. I forget Andrew by now. I sorry. I forget how you said it. But we one of the things that's definitely hurting right now, and I said it too, is the locker room. You know, a lot of guys liked Dunk. A lot of guys respected Dunk. And right now, you got Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Laurie just tearing up that locker room, whether it's because of Wentz, whether it's because of Doug, whether it's because of whoever. Like, there is tension beyond belief right now in there. And and I truly think the only coach that you could have hired, which I don't think it's going to happen now, unfortunately, but my choice, and, you know, Nick always throws this word around, and maybe this is the homer pick for sure, but my choice as head coach is the person who reunites his locker room. It's Deuce Staley at head coach. Like I'm, I'm sorry, but I the man's been coaching with the Eagles now for what ten years, and the players love him. And you know, talk about you have a running back guy up at there, so you, he's not just gonna throw the ball which way and that. He's gonna actually like plan the ball accordingly. Um, and, and like I said, he the he's been in that team. So the coaches know him. The players obviously respect him. Andrew pointed that out, that a lot of players were all for Deuce Daly being the pick. I I, I don't know. I think Deuce Daly was the right choice. Absolutely should be offensive coordinator at the least. But um, I, Here's, I, I think he should have been a head coach. And even though, you know, I think it's going to be Josh McDaniels now. Nick, go ahead. Here, here's my uh, concern with the Deuce Daly thing is is he's never called plays before. So how is he going to come in, take over the head coaching job, call this even even offensive coordinator position? Like I just don't know if he's going to be able to handle that kind of responsibility to call plays and, and do that. Uh, as you know, it's not common that running backs become head coaches, and and you know I'm not I don't have a reasoning behind that, but you know uh, there's. Like where there's smoke, there's fire. We say that all the time. Like, like there's got to be a reasoning behind that. So I, I, I just struggle with him going from a running back coach to a head coach. Like that's a big jump. And I just, I think at the least he needs to have offensive coordinator um, experience to be able to trust that he can even run an offense and has the capability to do that. Because let's be honest, we come on here and and like you know I know there's a lot of love for Deuce and I love Deuce too. Um, but we come on here and rip do- the way Deuce runs these running backs, like week every week. Like we say, how why isn't Miles Sanders getting more carries? You know why is uh, you know why is uh, uh, blanking on Boston our third string running back? But why is he getting? Why is Boston Scott like getting ten carries in a game sometimes, and Miles Sanders has six? You know, like we've criticized his way of using the running backs very often and that's just handling running backs so i'd have no idea what deuce daly would be able to do um as far as running an entire team um that's my only concern with deuce as far as you know who i want to be head coach i i i wanted eric the right out of the gate but it sounds like for some i don't know what he could be doing so poorly in an interview that is apparently hurting his chances of getting hired by every team that has interviewed him, but um, he was the number one guy on my list for sure. And um, outside of that, because that doesn't look like that's happening, I was pretty sold on this young kid that uh, everyone was talking about. Uh, I'll say kid because I think he's only like six years older than me. He's like 31. (laughs) And what's his name, Zach? Sorry. Uh, Joe Brady. Yeah, Joe Brady. See, I, I... 
I, I was pretty sold on this because, look, I, I, I'm falling into this. You know, these young coaches are starting to, you know, do pretty well. Um, I think the players develop a good relationship with them. Uh, I think he's got a good offensive mind. Like, Andrew, like you were saying in our chat, you know, he's coming from LSU. He's got that experience. And, sure, it's not hard to run an offense with uh, Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and all them. But, I, you know, yeah, I, but that's a lot. Quick, that's ex- a lot of people are saying that, but – he turned Joe Burrow into a first overall right. pick. Like so, so before the year, Joe Burrow wasn't expected to go till second, uh, late first, second, third round, and he like, those guys were there before he took over. Right, and he turned that offense into another level. I that, that so I think he actually did a lot with that team. Right, I I think the big concern with him is the same with Deuce Daly. I have no idea if he's going to be able to run a, a head coaching spot. Um, with Deuce, I'm concerned about the play calling. With him, I'm concerned about the leadership quality. Like. Um, as a 31-year-old guy who's only had two years in the NFL, um, I have no idea what he's going to be capable of as far as being a leader of, of 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 men. You know, like I don't, I have no idea, and that's a true gamble. Um, I am out on this Josh McDaniels talk, a hundred percent. I and Nick, before you get into Josh McDaniels, I Andrew, I wanted to hear who your pick was, and then we'll all talk about Josh McDaniels. All right, all right, real quick, um, just touch on. My pick's Josh McDaniel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick, to touch on some other things, I, I think, I mean, anyone knows me. Everyone knows how big of a Deuce Staley fan I was. Um, but I think my concern with Deuce Staley, not necessarily that he hasn't been an OC yet. I mean, obviously it's a, a, a question mark, but or, or head coach yet. The thing that I question is, and don't get me wrong, he can be a great guy, and he clearly is, and the players respect him, so he obviously has a good voice. But if he was such a good coach, and an offensive mind, why has he been with the Eagles in that same spot for 10 years? Not necessarily that the Eagles aren't promoting him, but why I have never once, never once heard him a threat to leave from another team interviewing him to make him hired as the, one of their coaches. Like, that's what concerns me of making him a head coach. Like, usually, you know, you get threatened to lose a coach because, you know, he's going to go interview with three other teams. But, I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, have you guys ever heard, like, his name thrown out there and to be interviewed by another team? Because we see all the time. I mean, you look at the Giants. They reach out to the Patriots for Joe Judge, a special teams coordinator, a special teams coach to get that. You see guys this year, you see uh, linebacker coaches get interviewed for for a head coach. You get other positions. Like, But why isn't Deuce Staley being interviewed from other teams to be their coach? That kind of what concerns me. Point. I think that's a fantastic point. And, and not one I really thought about recently, but – you know, it's 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 a it's a great it's a great topic of conversation because it to your point, if he's not even being looked at or considered by other teams for higher up position, like an offensive coordinator spot, you know, how are we going to let him jump from running back to head coach? I think it's a good point. Um, my counter my counter to that is um, Joe Judge, I don't think was being looked at by anyone else. And he seemed to make that jump from special teams to head coach. Um, out of nowhere. Um, now I'm not sold on Joe Judge, so I don't think that's a great. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Judge was seven and nine this year, uh, so I don't know that that's the best Six example. And <laughs> Six and ten. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I gave him an extra win. Um, it's it's only one year, so it's too soon to say if that was a payoff or not. I mean, but um, I, I think it's an excellent point. I mean, it's 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 something that you have to consider here, and and. Uh, it, 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 I think I think what Deuce Staley has is Zach's, to is Zach's point is that he can get the locker room going right away. I think if you hire Deuce, 
you'd have to bring in an offensive coordinator who's like, oh, you know, a great offensive coordinator. Yeah. Maybe like Doug Peterson, you know? I <laughs> love that back. text when you said, Nick, uh, I don't really like any of these options available. Is is uh, is uh, Doug Peterson out there? Does he want to interview? Oh, jeez. All right, Andrew, I, but you didn't actually give your – you just commented on Deuce. So yeah, what would well, you pick? what you guys are talking about. Um, So – <laughs> there, there's a lot of, out of that. when I first started, and this again goes back to them firing Doug so late. I, I was my number one hire would have been Arthur Arthur Smith. I was a big fan of his before he got hired uh, from Tennessee. Uh, he was their offensive coordinator last year. That's the guy I was I was looking at, but uh, he got hired like I think a day or two after the Eagles fired Peterson. So he was pretty pretty quick off the market just because he fell so late into that process. Who uh, hired now, him? I believe it was the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, it was the Atlanta Falcons um, with Matt Ryan. Similar quarterback. That's why I thought he, he rejuvenated Ryan Tannehill's career after he, he left Miami. Uh, he got a tryout in Tennessee, and he really helped him. And uh, I thought they could have done the same thing with Carson this time just as a head coach, not an OC. But um, I think now my list is – I don't know. I go back and forth with this, and it's because of what happened with Chip Kelly uh, and, and that whole uh, head coaching thing from college. But I don't know. I wouldn't hate – Lincoln Riley, um, I think he's an offensive-minded genius. I think he's – I know he struggled in the big games in college, but I think overall he's done a fantastic job with the offenses in hand. I wouldn't be opposed to trying that again. Again, I'm, I'm more skeptical, I think, because of the recency with Chip Kelly and all that, um, with trying a college guy straight from the NFL. I don't think that's – I think he's pretty set on staying at OU, but I heard the Eagles are very highly interested in him and keep reaching out to him, trying. I think he was the first one that reached out to, to be honest, uh, from what I heard. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I think I'm all on board on Joe Brady. After that whole rumor started, I've kind of looked into it. And, yes, I'd be skeptical. I mean, if you think about it, you're hiring a 31-year-old. What's Brandon Graham, who's, what, 34, 35 now, I think, close to that? Like, what's he going to think of it? What are some of the older veterans going to think of it? I mean, I mean, you think of it. <laughs> you think about it. I think Jason Peters might be 10 years older than him. And if we oh, don't know, if... speaking of Jason Peters, I just wanted to say he was interviewed today, and and the man was like, "Oh yeah, I'm hoping to play at least one more year. Probably won't be in Philly, unfortunately." I I just want to use one of our family's greatest running quotes, and go on, Jason. I can't miss you if you don't leave. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I I agree. I don't even know. Like he's just in denial at this point. Like he hasn't played in three years. Like he hasn't <laughs> stayed on a field for longer than two games for the last three seasons since the super bowl he hasn't he hasn't had a full season i i don't know what he's thinking but he's just he's either looking to just cash checks still or he's just in denial and he can't leave the game and, uh, i mean and, wasn't he this well, big coach correct me if i'm like, wrong he's the one who left to get more money and no one signed him and that's yeah. why he came back so he thinks he's gonna do that again this year but this time no i think i think he thinks there's no chance the Eagles are bringing him back, and so he's hoping yeah. he can get a $1 million contract somewhere else. Like, yeah, good luck with that one, buddy. Later. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, Andrew, go. We still haven't uh, heard. Oh, wait, no, we did. Yeah, yeah he said Lincoln Riley. <laughs> I said Lincoln. Yeah, Lincoln Riley and Joe Brady would be my two off the bat. Um, I, I, I am concerned about Eric Benanami. Uh, just going off that from next point, like that, like how's he not like if he if he was really that good. How would six, I think five teams, yeah, six what? teams would have passed him up. And that's what concerns me with him. 
And, and especially, I mean, Doug's he's been there in well, Kansas City. Well, according to Jeffrey Laurie, only the best are available once everyone else is picked. Exactly. Well, well maybe we'll luck out this time. <laughs> what, what I don't understand with Biennemi is last year, no one hired him. And, and like everywhere, it exploded. It was like... It was like, oh, he's the number one option. Like, how could he? There was nothing negative about him last year. It was like everyone missed out on him. And this year, it's like, yeah, he's horrible. No one's going to get him. It's like, well, what I happened? Th- I, I th- it must be like when you go through two years of that, like, you must really mess up the interview. Like, you think after that first offseason, you learn and stuff and obviously adjust to it and then ace him this year. But I guess whatever it is. And maybe, maybe it's credit to him. Maybe he's focusing on the Super Bowl he's trying to chase and not his interviews. I don't know. I don't know. It's, you know, he's, I mean, he's got, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is saying he's a great coach. Uh, obviously Andy Reed, you know, is backing him. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm puzzled with that one too, Andrew. And, uh, it's, I'm, I'm kind of bummed about it. Cause I really wanted the guy here. I really wanted to have him here. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. Has he been well, interviewed by the Eagles yet? Like, has he had the interview with the Eagles? He is not yet. Okay, I was just curious. But, you know who we interviewed about most likely coming here? We we interviewed we interviewed what twenty eight coaches so far? At least I I honestly <laughs> stopped keeping track. There's so I know, like, I see all these names come through. I'm like, door. I don't know who these guys are? <laughs> I felt like Patrick Starr, the "Who are you people?" gif. You know, it's just like yeah. what? I hire him. I don't care. <laughs> they had another. They added another one to that list today. I don't know if you guys heard that. They uh, interviewed Todd Bowles. I, I, yeah, yeah. Let's bring in Todd Bowles. I love this. Like Todd Bowles has never had success as a head coach ever. And let's bring him in. All right. right. We gotta, we gotta talk Josh McDaniels. Cause all right, we gotta, we gotta wrap up Eagles talk with Josh McDaniels. Cause I think uh, Nick said it already this episode where there's smoke, there's fire. And if the guy really interviewed for like 10 plus hours, like there's, (laughs) that says something, man. Um, he's probably, He's probably like, all right, here's my plan. We trade for Tom Brady. All right. It's an easy package. Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, and our six pick. And I bet you they'll take it. So Josh McDaniels is the offensive coordinator. <laughs> Sorry. He's the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, correct? Right now. That's his current position. That is correct. Correct. Uh, he's been okay. He's been schmoozing off of Tom Brady for the past. So, uh, 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 let me get there. Let me get there. He's the I'm offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots under the infamous Bill Belichick, who is the head coach of the New England Patriots, who ha- for the first time in however many years isn't in the playoffs. And it just happens to be the same year Tom Brady isn't on that team. So, Andrew, I will let you defend Josh McDaniels. Don't get me wrong. But to, to Nick's point, and which I fully agree with, and I got to say this right now, like – it is the most obvious thing in the world to me that Tom Brady is the reason the Patriots were as, as good as they were. Like, I'm not, I'm and not Bill den- Belichick. And Bill Belichick. Well, well, okay. So, like, that's what I was about to say. I'm not denying Bill Belichick is good by any means. That's not what I'm saying. However, when Tom Brady leaves, and that year he takes what was like a garbage team to the playoffs, whereas the other team, meaning the Patriots, don't even make the playoffs. Hold like, on. Hold on. Like, Tampa oh, Bay is far better than a garbage team. Mm, okay, mm, whatever. Jameis Winston led that team, or led the NFL in passing yards last year. Brady took that team to the playoffs this year, and Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels fell short of the playoffs. 
So you're going to hire the offensive coordinator for a team who basically listened to their quarterback that's not there anymore. So I, I, I don't know. Like, you know, maybe I'm just it's the casual fan in me, but that is not the move, in my opinion. Uh, Nick, why don't you tell me why I'm right before Andrew tells both of us why we're wrong? All right, so here's why here's why I don't get the Josh McDaniels thing at all. I don't get the hype for it. I don't get any of it, okay? Um, Josh McDaniels started coaching the Patriots in 2006, okay? He was a quarterback's coach, I believe, or something like that, offensive coordinator. That's So the Patriots had already won three Super Bowls without him, okay? Tom Brady's already a much-established quarterback, all right, he didn't. He didn't need Josh McDaniels to help him out anymore. What he needed was a guy to listen to talk to him and have him dictate what he wanted to do on the team, which Josh McDaniels happily has been doing for what is that, fifteen years? Okay. Now that doesn't mean I'm not saying he's he's an idiot. Obviously, he's he's uh, you know got smarts in football. I'm not saying he's not. He doesn't. But to sit here and act like he was a crucial part of the Patriots. Uh, Super Bowl runs is I, I just I don't see it at, at all. I think you could have filled in any offensive coordinator off the street, and 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 the Patriots would have been just as successful. Um, he left for two years to to go um, be the coach at off uh, for Denver, and I think 2009 was the Patriots' undefeated season. So obviously he was not missed, right? They went to the Super Bowl. No, that was 07. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Oh nine, did they still go to the Super Bowl? I'm I would bet oh nine or ten. <laughs> they go I think oh nine is if they missed the playoffs. Um I, I, I my point being is that okay, he leaves, goes to the Broncos, right, and fails. He, like he's not a good coach for them at all. And then he comes crawling back to New England where he's comfortably been, right? Then he's supposed to be the coach of the Colts and backs out of it last minute. I don't know who knows why he gets cold feet backs out of that job completely. Right. And then he's given the opportunity to reestablish the Patriots offense without Tom Brady with Cam Newton, which he did not successfully do this season at all. Uh, He flat out wasn't able to create a game plan to utilize the strengths of Cam Newton to the best of his ability. So I don't understand what, the big draw is from him other than, Oh, he was on the Patriots and he won three Super Bowls with them. I mean, I don't, I don't see anything else that draw because Tom Brady's doing just fine without him. Right. Uh, and the Patriots are doing not very fine without Tom Brady. So I, I don't see the yeah. draw to him. And I'm cons- I'd be con- concerned that my biggest concern is that there has never been a successful coach that has come from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Right. This was my point I brought up earlier. All right. I have a list of, of the coaches who, who, who have come from Billy Belichick. Right. You're not going to know any of them, but I'll read you their names. You'll know a couple. All right. Romeo Cronell. Okay. Romeo Cronell. His record in the NFL as a coach 32 and 58. Josh McDaniel's head record as a head coach 11 and 17. Bill O'Brien. Okay, Bill O'Brien is the most successful coach from the Belichick coaching tree. All right, fifty-two and forty-eight went to the playoffs a few times. Right? Does that he include the, his Penn State career? No, no. <laughs> he is the most successful head coach from the Belichick coaching tree. Who? Um, <clears throat> he was just fired midseason this year. Um, Matt Patricia, thirteen twenty-nine and one. Joe Judge, 
obviously way too early to tell on Joe Judge. And Brian Flores, again, I think too early to judge, but neither one of them have winning records either, is my point. I don't I didn't add up all those records, but there are a lot more losses than wins from any of those coaches. And we say it every week. Where there is smoke, there's fire. And there's a reason why none of these guys are successful. Because I don't believe Bill Belichick is the type of guy. Do you see Bill Belichick as the guy who sits down in a room with everybody and goes, hey, guys, let me teach you how to be the best coach you can possibly be. And like, and gives them like tips and stuff. No, he doesn't do that. He's concerned about himself and winning the Super Bowl on his team. He doesn't give a crap about the rest of the the staff. And I think that's why none of these guys are successful. And there's been tons of articles, tons of evidence that points to why this is. And I just, I'm extremely concerned with the Eagles if they go with this hire. I actually think that Nick, based off of what you just said, one of the only reasons that I actually see it being why they hire him is because you said he's so, so influential. Like, like if that's what Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman are looking for a guy that they can basically mold into whatever they want. Um, yeah, it kind of sounds like that's him. It sounds like he's the guy that can just be the, be a, be a man to stand I, there and wear the thing he, that says head coach. I think he could be a puppet and look, yeah. maybe that's what Carson needs. Maybe Carson needs to be Tom Brady and just go, this is what I want to do. And this is how I want it done. And you know what? Maybe that's what they need, but yeah. I, I'm not sold that that is the solution to this problem right now. Agreed. All right, uh, Andrew, why don't you wrap up the Eagles segment and tell us uh, your thoughts on Josh McDaniels? I would have absolutely no problem with this hire for many different reasons. <laughs> first off, I love, I love first, the absolute, absolute, just sure of a sure. Uh, ah, I messed up the word. Just confidence. The absolute confidence in how different of an opinion he's about to give. Do it, Andrew. Let's go. I want to hear it. <laughs> All right, first off, all those coaches you mentioned, first off, I really don't care what's happened under the, the Bill Belichick coaches that have left. All those guys mainly have been defensive coach-minded coaches who who that is Bill Bel- Belichick's strength. So, yeah, he's not going to – maybe he's not going to. And you mentioned already, if you're going to finally start calling defensive plays, maybe you're not cut out for that. You don't know that when Bill Belichick's out there calling defensive coaching plays uh, in that sense. First off, Josh McDaniels, he's been he's been the offensive coordinator calling every single offensive play for the last whatever amount of years since he's been back in Denver because he's the offensive coordinator. And again, Bill Belichick is more of a defensive-minded coach. So McDaniels is the one that's working with the offense firsthand or, or on there with Belichick and everything and all that. Second, if I'm, if I'm Josh McDaniels, yeah, you might have struggled your first time coaching, but that's why you went back to a coordinator. You learn from your snakes, and you make the adjustment. You've, we've seen that plenty of times in the past um, with coaches do that and, and have success. I'm not going to judge him off that two like two years out of his entire coaching uh, amount of his, his seasons. I mean, I know he's not – I'm not saying you're going to say he's Bill Belichick, but imagine if, if everyone else was like, oh, well, Bill Belichick didn't do well with the Browns his first time, so we're not going to go back to him. And imagine if Bill Belichick never coached again. We wouldn't have had Bill Belichick. Like just imagine those sequences. That's what's going to happen. Pete Carroll, he didn't. He struggled his first time in the NFL. Look what he did when he got a second chance. He came out and was a fantastic coach. His blood Seattle to multiple Super Bowls and all that. So I'm not ready to give up on a coach just because of one like one bad stretch. Uh, it was two seasons out of however many he's been in the league. Uh, next, his offense has been in the top five in the league for uh, five out of the seven se- or five out of the seven seasons from when he was back. Uh, with New England and five consecutive seasons. So his offense has been fantastic. 
We mentioned you mentioned you say bringing Cam Newton. Well, first off, who does he have to work with? Nick, I believe you're not a Cam Newton fan. You've talked about how he's not a strong quarterback already. So really, Cam Newton wasn't that impressive of a, a bring-in. It's not like he was working with a top talented quarterback. I wouldn't even consider Newton top ten, maybe not even probably not even top fifteen quarterback in the NFL. And he's working with no receivers to go on top of that, no tight end to go on top of it. Like that team around him wasn't anything special. Um, so I really wouldn't judge him too hard off of this year because it was a completely different year. It's your first year with a whole new new quarterback. So you're going to try to adjust. And Cam Newton to Tom Brady was a completely different uh, quarterback. Uh, and talk about wanting experience calling plays. That's what he's been doing. He's got more experience calling plays than Eric Benetemi, who's been under Andy Reid for, whoever, for however many years. And Andy Reid's the one calling the plays. Uh, he's got more experience calling plays than Deuce Staley. He's got more experience calling plays than Joe Brady at the NFL level. So if you want to experience in that sense, he's the probably one of the most experienced coaches left on the market. Um, and the reason why I pick him over a guy like Todd Bowles you interviewed today, I'd much rather an offensive-minded coach because I think that's the direction you have to, to go with this team rather than a def- defensive-minded coach, and that's what you get out of a guy like Todd Bowles. Um, and I, I think the big thing here is Josh McDaniels isn't going to come come in here and get walked all over. He, he's been in the league for a while. He's known for being pretty strict and everything. And I think that's what this team needs right now. You can't have a coach that's going to come in and the players are going to kind of be able to run him over and stuff like that because that's just going to create even more of a mess. You need a coach to come in here with a voice. And that's something I think he can do compared to some other other, other coaches as well. And I think, I think I'm willing to give him another chance. Okay, so here's 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 why... I disagree with many of your points, okay? Because for starters, like you mentioned all this, you know, he's been calling plays for the Patriots, right, for the past 15 years. Okay, so the Patriots win three Super Bowls without him calling plays, okay? They have the best quarterback of all time. Then then you, like, what, what, what did he bring to the table that really rejuvenated the team? Nothing. He, in, he inherited uh, the best team of all time. Like, like, it's not like his play calling changed the game for the Patriots. He came into the best team of all time, being coached by the best coach of all time, being quarterbacked by the best quarterback of all time. So what, what did he do? He, he just, that, that whole thing just fell in his lap. Of course he had success. How, how hard is it to have success with Bill Belichick as your head coach and Tom Brady as your quarterback? Honestly, because guess what? Tom Brady's doing better without him this year than he did with him last year. So like, so I just don't see what he's but done. Th- and then wait, okay, wait, this- and then and then so then I want to point out the three years he wasn't with the Patriots. You brought up his stats with his um, where their his offense ranked as the Patriots' offensive coordinator. Which, by the way, last year the Patriots' offense was fifteenth in the league. Nothing to be proud of. Okay, okay his, mid-pack his, with his nobody on seasons- that. Rock. Let me finish. Okay, his two seasons in Denver, his offense finished subpar. Uh, the 27th offense in the league is is the year in Denver. And then he, after Denver, went to the St. Louis, St. Louis Rams to be their offensive coordinator for one year where their offense was the 31st worst offense in the entire NFL. So his three years without Tom Brady, and the, or in, including this year, his four years without Tom Brady, he, he's been, I mean, he, not him, his offense has not been successful. So a Tom Brady-less uh um, Josh McDaniels has not had any success in the NFL, and that is why I am deeply concerned. And you brought up he didn't have weapons 
on this Patriots team. The Eagles have no weapons on our team. So he's he's coming into a similar team, and I just don't see how he's going to turn around. I don't see evidence that he can turn around. Do I, do I have time to retaliate? You can retaliate. Wrap it up in about a minute or so. Okay. First off, he no, goes no. into Denver his first season, eight and eight. Like, he only had two years there. You can't judge a guy off of two years like that. Like, you don't have time to bring why? your own why roster. Why did he only have two years there? Uh, I don't know. Because, I, whatever reason, maybe he got in a fight with the owner. Maybe he didn't like the situation. I, I mean, I don't take me back to 08. Um, but my thing is, like, you you're gonna have situations like that. Yes, you mentioned it. Who who does he have? Like you gotta remember, Tom Brady. If if he would have came to the Eagles, would he have had a good of a year he would have had this year? Probably not, because of the weapons he's working with. Tom Brady, you can't judge it off what he did in uh, Tampa Bay this year. He went into an offensive minded coach. He went into having Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette. Richard, uh, Rich, Richard Jones, like he went into one of the best offenses in the game. There's a reason why Jameis Winston led the NFL in passing yards last season. The only difference was Jameis Winston threw interceptions and Tommy Murray is smart enough not to throw interceptions. That's the only difference there. But he still went into an offense with plenty of talent. Nick, can you, is Nick or Zach, can you even name one wide receiver, one running back, one tight end on that Patriots team? This year? Yes, outside of Julian Edelman because he was hurt most of the year. I can't, I can't remember their first-round pick, but he was supposed to be a big wide receiver, and he flaked, and he hasn't been developed at all. And he was supposed to be a great – he was a great – he was supposed to be a great talent and a great wide receiver. And in two years with, with the Patriots, he hasn't been able to even been utilized in their offense. First off, I don't – who know who you're and, talking about. I don't the think Patriots they took a running back, the, running, the Patriots running back rotation is not that bad at all. They've got, all like, right. three solid backs. So I disagree still. So he doesn't get credit for that? All right, I'm cutting in. We've, They're not doing we've well. Been, That's what I'm saying. Back and forth. We've been back and forth in this enough. Solid I think it's clear. I think it's clear that there is positives and negatives to Josh McDaniels. Um, I, you know, I, there's not much to say. There's not much else to say. We'll see uh, if and when he's hired. Then we'll make the conversation. We'll, we'll keep it up, you know, and then we have to follow along. And we'll see at the draft what happens. Because um, I think I think draft day is going to be kind of a big one for this with the head coach. Um, well, not physically next to Howie Roseman, but with Howie Roseman. Uh, let's go into Nick's, uh, Nick's uh, little realm where he can bring us some a big old... Let's, let's do a Flyers dump, news dump here. I, I mean, like I said, the Flyers are currently 2-0. 2-0 Flyers. They beat the Penguins back-to-back. Playing the Sabres tonight, um, I think I read somewhere that they said this is is one of the best looking Flyers teams in recent history. Uh, Nick, uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean it's two games, so I don't want to get over the top just yet. I mean it's been only two games, so from those two games, I mean we're two and zero. We look great. We beat the Penguins twice. Um, Travis Konechny had a hat trick the other night already. Um, you know, so he's he's coming out hot again. Uh, you saw Claude Drew get a couple assists as well. Uh, Carter Hart's playing great behind the between the pipes, as they say. Um, so I think there's a lot to you know be excited about with this Flyers team. I think that you know they they have a great shot at, at a run for the Cup this year. They really do. I think their division is extremely difficult. I think it's going to be really hard to to get to the playoffs. So I I, I think that. 
uh, if they do, it's a good indication that this is a cup-ready team because uh, it, it, they're going to be battle-tested through and through this entire season, especially with these back-to-back, um, you know, these series games where we're playing the same team twice all season. Uh, tw- two, we're playing the same team two times in a row all season. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Oscar Lindblom, I, there, obviously there's a, not doubt, but like a hint of like, will he be the same player he was before he he was going through chemotherapy last season? And he he looks fantastic. He looks great. It's unbelievable, that story in itself, that Oscar Lindblom is on the ice this year and playing as well as he did. I believe he scored a goal in the first game and got an assist in the last game. So he's already put up points in consecutive games. Um, look, you're getting con- contributions out of everyone on this team. Uh, you know, you have G getting two assists the other night. Vorchek already putting up uh, quite a few points. Uh, like I said, head to toe, everything looks great right now. It's You're two games in, so I don't want to get too excited. Also, you know, how this is going to be a tough season. It's, it's not a lot of games. It's a short amount of time. There's going to be a lot of hockey fast. And how well can Carter Hart handle uh, all this in his third season? And that's going to be the biggest reason on whether or not you have success this year. Uh, yeah, so, so I mean, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. It was nice watching uh, watching the win on Friday, I believe, was the second game. I, I was able to catch that. Um it's looking it looks good i i mean like you said i'm just i am as a fan excited excited to see what happens next um can you explain to us nick so you talk about it be tough for the playoff run this year um how, how what do the flyers need to do to make the playoffs like just basic playoff uh requirements andrew correct me if i'm wrong but i believe this year it's the top three teams from the division four Four, top four. So it's the top four teams from each division. And the Flyers division, I mean, we talked about it. Pretty much there's six cup tender, cup contenders in this division. So, like, it, it's a tough ask to even get out of the, to the division to the playoffs. So, you know, it's, it's going to be hard. Like, we beat the Penguins twice. But, hey, the Penguins are the Penguins, right? They got Sidney Crosby, um, still got Malkin, and, and they're – a formidable foe for sure. And I think I expect them to make a deep run this year and like have a shot at the playoffs, just like us uh, mixed with the capitals, you know, the Sabres are Owen two, but I don't think they're a bad team. They showed a lot of promise last year. So I, I don't think they're a bad team at all. Um, you know, uh, you know, you, I'm blanking on our vision on this spot, but it's cap, you know, you got the capitals, the penguins, the flyers. Um, Bruins. Uh, what was that? Andrew? It's uh, Capitals, Flyers, Devils, Bruins, Rangers, Devils. Islanders, yeah. pe- Penguins, Bru- Sabres. So the Islanders, you lost in the playoffs last year. So obviously they're a legit playoff contender this year. So the Flyers, obviously we think is a cup contender. The Penguins are the Penguins. The Capitals won the, the Stanley Cup a few years ago. There's four teams right there. Then you got the Bruins who were in the Stanley Cups two, two years ago and last year made a deep playoff run. So that's five teams right there that are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders, I'd say this year, and one of them's not even going to make the playoffs. So it's going to be a tough ask to even get out of the division. <clears throat> Andrew, uh, what do you? Anything to add? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is the difficulty here, and I think that's why it was so big to get those early games. And 
and it's weird this year there's also they're doing like the series kind of thing you're you're playing the same team twice in a row so i think that's that's the big thing here is you get these two games of buffalo and i don't disagree nick i don't think they're necessarily a uh a team to like just walk over on, but these are the games you have to take advantage of are the Buffalo games here because they're probably the worst team in the division going statistically. So you have to take advantage of that knowing what's ahead in the future. So I, I, I agree. I think this team is off to a great start. I think, I think the big thing is, and I've said it before is how I looked at them as the 07 Phillies before their 08 world series. And, and early signs of that is what I see. I see a team that, They've been together for a little while in the core of Jeru Voracek, just like Rollins and Utley were together. And and they all just seem like a, a family. It's just like a brotherhood out there going out there every day for them. And, and I think that's the, that's the cool thing is you don't – I mean, yeah, obviously we've all watched the Flyers in the past, but I haven't really ever seen that, I feel like, uh, in the last 10 years or so for the Flyers. And I think that goes credit to the coaching they hired last year. And now in the first year success he had – what he did with his team in the offseason and everything to get him ready for this year, I think it's already showing tremendous signs, and I, I'm all for a nice run here. And I, I think it's going to happen as, as a nice run. Well, that's uh, that's that being said, let's talk about another team who I would hope is going to be in for a run soon, uh, 76ers. Um, we actually had some breaking news here. I don't know if you guys saw that while we were podcasting. Um, I'm pulling it up now. I know this is terrible. My apologies. Uh, they've waived Dakota Mathias. Yeah, I. He's a guy. He's kind of filled in last couple games. Um, he's a guy that doesn't really play much, so it's not gonna hurt him. I don't know if that means they have a, a counter move, maybe signing a veteran free agent here shortly. I don't know what what to make of this. I mean, it's not like I'm sitting here. Like, oh, it's a huge loss. It's going to impact a lot. But I, I'm just – it's odd timing. That's more than anything, especially when the team's dealing with COVID cases and they've been shorthanded for the last few games. So it's just a very odd timing move. So I don't know what what to make of it, whether another move's the follow or whatnot. Maybe it bring someone on from the G League. But it's just not a move that's going to affect the team long-term too bad, but just an odd move and odd timing. Odd timing is the biggest thing. Um, Andrew, anything else, uh, Sixers news or related that you want to talk about? Yeah, I'd just say, I mean, early signs, I mentioned the Flyers. I think the Sixers have looked fantastic as well. I know they lost the last couple of games, but that, again, they had COVID cases, so they were shorthanded in many of those. The one game they missed, uh, they're missing four of the five starters and three guys off the bench right away. So, I mean, that's credit to why you lose that game. I will say, Listen, now that the James Harden sag is over and we obviously know he's not coming to the Sixers, I'm pretty disappointed uh, in not getting him. Um, I think this puts you really far behind, or not far, but this puts you behind in the East. And I mean, Brooklyn's going to be the heavy favorite now, I think, and it's going to be a very, very tough climb now. So I will say, since you brought it up, um, you know, James Harden, you know, went to the Nets, I believe, if that's yes. correct. Um, James Harden went to the Nets. <laughs> I love the phrase everyone's using. He ate his way out of Houston. Um, <laughs> fat suit or not, not sure. Yeah, that, that's an interesting picture. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's pretty phenomenal. Like, yeah, at this point, you gotta wonder if it was actually a fat suit. But, um, like, he looks fine now. I, anyway, anyway, moving on. Um, the whole reason I'm going through this is because a lot of the talk, obviously, when Harden was on the table was, do you trade Ben Simmons for him? And at this point, you know, now that this is over, we don't have James Harden. We still have Ben Simmons. 
you know, people are still talking. Do you try to get rid of him now? So, so no longer are we saying, are you willing to trade Simmons for Harden? Now it's, do you hunt and get rid of Simmons? Now, I, I wanted to ask you guys a quick opinion on this. Like, where do you stand? It could be just neutral, because that's kind of how I am. Like, I think I'm at the point where I don't necessarily need Simmons to stay here anymore, but I'm also not trying to just get rid of him. Um, but I know some people will just want him out, and, you know, there's that Philadelphia mentality sometimes. But uh, uh, how do you guys feel right now with Simmons? Uh, I, I think he— I, I think this is your team for the season now, unless you find someone to add. And as far as this year goes, I think you got to keep him on the team for the rest of this year and hope that he starts picking up his game and, and just playing, honestly, just playing better and being more of the star that we think he can be. And depending on how the season's outcome is, I think then you reevaluate this in the offseason. Yeah, I think in terms of keeping him for the season, at this point, if there was a guy I would make the move moving forward, it would have been Harden. I don't think there's a guy still being thrown out there. Obviously, Zach Levine, Buddy Heald, and all. I keep going. But those guys I don't think are Ben Simmons worthy. If there was a guy I would have given him up for, I probably would have leaned the Harden way. But let me just say this, and I'm with Nick. I think at this point you keep him on the roster and you see how this year goes. But I'll tell you what, I, I'm – I get it, and I hear the counter on sports radio and and everything, and always oh, got he's one of the best defenders in the league. He he averages close to a triple double. Well, listen, it, I need more from him scoring wise. Like Ben Simmons, and this goes if you want to make any type of run this year, Ben Simmons can't be averaging twelve points a game. That that's just unacceptable. And don't get me wrong, I love the eight assists, love the nine <laughs> rebounds, and all that. But if he's truly going to be the second star on this team and he wants to take this team to the finals with Embiid, he's got to step up and, and start scoring, especially with the games Embiid's sitting out. Like, like uh, Embiid missed the last game, and, and Ben Simmons goes out and puts up five points. Like you, you when Embiid's out, you got to be the guy that steps up and gets that 15 to 20 points a game. Uh, and that's where I, I've been a little disappointed with Simmons so far to start the season. And hopefully as the season goes and, you know, Doc Rivers keeps him going, the new system, he'll get used to it, and he'll improve. But, yeah, I say keep him, keep him on the team for the rest of the year. I, 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 I agree I, with Andrew. Uh, you, you, you actually brought up a good point. Like, it's not even so much just the people that are like, oh, Simmons isn't shooting. It's the, it's just getting points in general. Um, I, I thought something funny you guys might appreciate. Uh, I was text, uh, texting a friend yesterday. Um, or sorry, not yesterday. It was uh, during Saturday, Sixers games. And he bet on Ben Simmons to get a triple-double. And uh, the only thing he didn't get was 10. He didn't get more than 10 points. I think he ended the night with nine points on Saturday. And it's like, how is that the thing that holds you from a triple-double? How is Simmons not even getting 10 points? Like, that's absurd. That Your second star isn't even getting 10 points. So... So to yeah. your credit, like I, I kind of I agree with the vibe you guys are saying. You know, the whole thing with uh, getting Doc Rivers was you get a new coach, you see what he does with Ben and Embiid. You know, we're see I think we're seeing the best in Embiid right now. I I mean I might be outlandish to say, but uh, I no, think he's... we're seeing that. I think he's he's a changed man. Maybe maybe it's that dad mentality or something. I don't know, but uh, we're seeing that a better Wait, Embiid. But we're not seeing a better Simmons. Yeah, Embiid had a kid in the offseason. He did? Yeah. yeah. It was like, With it was two. the most quietest, like, I don't, superstar I don't having a kid. Like, oh, wait, no, he is engaged, right? 
Yeah, I think, I think he, he is. is. I think oh. he's engaged. For, no, that's that's weird. I didn't even. I don't even remember hearing that. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Congrats. But uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, <laughs> to get Wait, off. I, oh, sorry, before we go out that. Uh, no, I, no, I, no, I was gonna. I was gonna throw it to you. I knew you. You you had something to say, but I was just. Gonna, that was say. My whole point is, you know, I'm okay riding the rest of the season out with Simmons, but if I don't see improvement like I've seen in Embiid, I I mean, clock's ticking. I. I, my, my only point is going to be, I think the Simmons situation is not far off from the Carson Wentz situation. Like, this is a guy that you've invested heavily in money-wise, uh, invested heavily in your franchise-wise as being a part of the franchise, you know, your core. Um, and you expect him to be a superstar player, and he's falling dramatically short of that this year. And, uh, Andrew, maybe, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I don't think he he's even looking to make the All-Star game this year like the way he's playing i don't know that you make the all-star game averaging 12 points a game i just don't think it's gonna happen um uh, so 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 you know he's gonna if he's projected to miss the all-star game this year i mean you're looking at a serious decline in his athletic ability in the year in a pivotal year we were expecting the opposite so uh, it it would be concerning it's early in the season there's plenty of time for him to turn it around but the problem is you haven't really seen evidence to support why it would change around maybe he gets to where it was last season and the season before, but that's still not enough to what we want and expect him to be. So there is concern there. Yeah. Agree, Nick. I, th- I think you, you said it very well. I think, I, I think we've seen the differences. We've seen that fire in Embiid this year and Simmons just doesn't seem to have that now to your point though. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're, we're going a little overboard right now. And I want to kind of wrap it up with the Phillies in a minute, but, um, I do want to say, like, so, but just quick conversation between the three of us. Why is Simmons different than Wentz right now? So, you know, Wentz, it, you're, we're saying, you know, you can't just fight. You, know, you can't just lose him. You can't just move on from him. You know, Andrew said it a thousand times. Losing Wentz would be the worst decision. I've said it. If we lost Wentz, he'd go win a Super Bowl. I fully believe that. But why is that different from the Simmons situation? I, I want to jump. I'll, can I go first real quick? Sorry, Andrew. Yeah, um, so you can sell my point. I'm just kidding. Um, I I think because Wentz had one bad year, like like like, and it in history of the NFL that is completely normal for a quarterback to have an off season, right? Whereas Simmons, you've kind of seen no appro- improvement in the past few years, and th- there's no nothing to show you that it's going to change. That would be my main point. <laughs> uh, well, I agree with all that. To extend off that, um, I I think it's. Also, what you've seen without the guy, meaning, so you take Wentz. When Wentz got hurt, Nick Foles came in and won a Super Bowl. So I think fans come in here and say, okay, well, Eagles can win without Wentz. When Ben Simmons got hurt last year and didn't play, Sixers got swept to the Celtics. Like, imagine if the Sixers would have, one, beat the Celtics, won another series, got close to a championship. People are going to be saying, okay, this team can win without Ben Simmons. I, I think that took a huge effect is when Ben Simmons got out and missed the entire playoffs last year, Celtics swept all over the Sixers. And, and, and honestly, I think a lot of those games, if I remember correctly, were blowouts. So I think you saw how important that defense he does bring uh, was missing. And the last thing I don't he, think it would have been different with him, but that's me. I'm not saying we win the series, but you don't get swept. Um, but the also difference is winning. I mean, Nick mentions it the year. The Sixers have a lot of talent around Sims as well. So Embiid's able to pick up and help the team win a lot of those games. And you're still a top seed in the East while when Wentz was struggling, and we all know the rest of that Eagles team last year, you fell 
multiple games out of the playoffs and everything. So I think that kind of helps as well. All right, so let's go on to the last category here, Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, I just feel like there's been plenty of offseason news running around um, while we've been away. Um, I'm just going to start off with the biggest, in my opinion, you know, uh, JT Romuto. Uh, the Phillies did make an offer to him, and I'm looking at it was uh, worth over $100 million for a five-year period. Um, I do not recall what his last – contract was that i know was controversial in the sense that you know they didn't resign him or i'll give him more or whatever so if anyone has that that they can input but uh i did hear on the radio today they were saying that that was too high and i i was a little thrown off by that um yeah here's here's what i would say is it's no longer sign jt it's jt sign like 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 you just got offered 20 million dollars a year for the next five years it, 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 sign it like I don't know, like you're a catcher, right? Yeah, you're you're. It, that's that's astronomical for a catcher. What right? is Bryce Harper? Thirty. Thirty. So you're paying year? Bryce. Yeah, you're paying Bryce Harper ten mil or more than JT. Um. Right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, uh, I in my agree. opinion, it's no longer. Sign JT. It's JT. Sign. <laughs> I, I I I find it hard. And did he? I correct again. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I, you know, I feel like I've said that a couple times today. Uh, did he decline that offer? The hundred million dollar five year deal offer? It has not been declined or accepted. Obviously not accepted. Like but that's it is like not that's so much money. <laughs> well, no, I know. But here's the thing. Now this is the problem with that deal getting leaked, and it was honestly unfortunate for the Phillies because while I think it was a great offer. By um, by Dembra- uh, Dabrowski and everything, I think the down part is that deal got leaked, and usually you don't see that happen really until either he declines it or accepts another team or he already accepts a deal. Like usually those deals don't come out, so I don't know why or how it got leaked. Because now you're gonna have again, I think it was a great offer by the Phillies. Now you're gonna have another team see that, and depending on how they view it. They have a chance to up it. And I know they probably already know it from the agent and stuff. But I just thought it was a weird leak. Uh, and also, I think, I mean, it's down to, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be the Phillies or the Blue Jays. And I don't think the Blue Jays are going to match that offer. Um, so I think uh, I think he's going to be back by the end of the week. I, I really do. He, I, 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 you know, I love JT, but he better be. Because... Because if all this nonsense of him, like how badly he wanted to stay here and how badly he wanted to be a Philly and all that, yada, 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 and he leaves because the Blue Jays gave him $21 million a year, I'll be like, that's ridiculous. Like $20 million a year for five years for a catcher is unheard of in the MLB. So I forget what it is, but that's actually not the highest, uh, I think I read. Um, I think he'd be in the, the I think it's, I think if he would sign the contract he was offered, it would be the highest, um, Total amount, but not highest per year, or vice versa. Does anyone else find the irony in the fact that I just looked it up and the first game of the Phillies this season is, well, spring training game is against the Blue Jays on February 27th. So I I don't know. I find that kind of amusing that regardless of where he signs, we will see him that first day, right? That's fine. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, To answer your question, he made, he was getting 10 million last year. So you're yeah. getting double, double that. His favorite. Double that. Like, what was double. he trying to get? Like, it, he's just sitting in the chair going like this. Like, just like is he? Like, I know I like JT Romuto. 
<laughs> I know I like it. I gen like I actually do like JC Romanito, but at what point does this become Jason Peters level ridiculous? Like, like I, I know that was well, a different situation. I don't, I don't think it can ever because JT's worth the money, and Jason Peters wasn't. But but it, in my opinion, like if he doesn't sign this, like if he walks from this, see ya. I'm ready to move on. Like, like that's thing. I mean, that's a million month. a year. Come on, For five years. Come that's on. a money. That's a big investment. So yeah, I, will anyway. say, I, I am happy with what the Phillies are doing. I mean, rather than making excuses like the last um, few months when we had the different GM and stuff and all that, uh, making excuses for why we might not sign them. You, you get the reports. Dombrowski flies down to Oklahoma and meets meets with JT and his wife. So they had a good conversation, and I know. I mean, obviously that's huge. I mean, it shows that shows JT that the organization wants him back, and it's all, not all just talk. So I think that is a huge spot. Uh, was hearing that that he actually flew down to Oklahoma uh, and was able to meet with his wife and JT and really have a good meeting that sense before flying back. And I think I think that's really cr- a lot of credit to the front office now and in the change. And I think for as much as we ripped them, this new this new spot, they're they're already starting to make a difference in my eyes at least. Yeah, um, I so totally, I totally agree. I mean, they're making a lot of big signings. Um, I think they're you know they're putting their name on the map easy. Uh, I was disappointed to see Liam Hendricks not sign here. To be honest, I really wanted that. Um, I wanted it more than JT. I think I said that on the podcast. But you know, he signed somewhere else, and I, I get it. We bring in the a, a, a good pitcher in Archie Bradley, but you know, I, I'm not sold that he's. I'm not sold that he can be a shutdown closer. So that's my only concern with him. And I think that it seems evident that he's going to be the closer. So I think you're, it's, it's a risk. So you don't know if he's going to be a shutdown closer. And I, I just want it, the number one offseason thing to be we signed a shutdown closer who's in the ninth inning, 100% going to give you the best chance to win. And I don't think Archie Bradley can't be that. I think he still can, but it's a, I don't know. I don't know if he can. So. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think this bullpen's been. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, I haven't been the biggest name, but this bullpen, they they've brought in some names, and I really like the direction this bullpen's going. I think it's the best bullpen we've had in a very, 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 very long time. Maybe since even the playoff r- uh, runs. Um, I know it's not saying a whole lot with what we we've watched the last couple of years, but I, I've been pleased with almost every single move they've done to bring in uh, so far. Uh, in the bullpen, I think Alvarado has been was a great trade from the Rays. I, I think he's he's a high throwing left hander that we haven't had in a while. That's something we've lacked in a lot of um, scouts and a lot of other teams have kind of mentioned. You know, when you get those reports on other teams, they've said that the, the Phillies have kind of lacked that velocity control. You get a guy in Alvarado come in and he can be a seventh eighth inning guy lefty here. Um, I, I believe Archie Bradley can be the guy, and you can finally move Hector Neris back to the setup role. That I mean, it was. I mean, I, I've been saying it for a very long time that that's where he's best suited, and I'm not necessarily. Well, I would be, con- I'd be okay with Archie Bradley going into next year as the closer. I don't think the Phillies are done in the bullpen, whether it's bringing in a a lower name or if they do bring in a closer, because there's still some very very good closers out there, just as good as Liam Hendricks, if not better. Um, that I wouldn't be surprised if the Phillies still still try to bring in here in the next coming days or weeks before spring training. Um, which is less than a month away now, which is exciting. But 
I mean, th- this this offseason, in terms of free agency, has been slow moving. So there's still a lot of names out there and a lot of guys that I, I think the Phillies are still not done yet. Um, but I, again, I think it's I think it's been one of the better off seasons we've seen in a while. Anything Parking else you want to talk I believe, about? I believe we don't have a shortstop still. Is that correct? You, we didn't sign a shortstop, but you can go back to Gene Segura. As yeah, a shortstop, which, there. He'll be fine. Which, which he's not. I mean, he was highly regarded before getting moved. So if you you run out there, Alec Bohm in third, Gene Segura short, Scott Kingery second, Hoskins first. I, I mean, Kingery's your concern because you don't. He bad. What one twenty five last year? So you don't know what he's going to do this year. Yeah, last year for Scott Kingery was concerning. I, I still believe in him. I mean, I, he was still a highly regarded prospect for a reason. Um, again, the one year thing. I'm not ready to give up on a guy, the guy after one year bad bad years. So, but I don't know that if he struggles again, I think it's that's when it's really going to start to open eyes. I hope. Yeah, the thing, the thing that stinks is usually when a baseball player has a bad year, they bat like 220. He was bat like <laughs> 150. <laughs> what, what's what's annoying too? Or I guess not. Oh, yeah, it's a little annoying. But like I remember when we got him to that cheap contract, where everyone thought like it was going to be such a steal of a contract because he was supposed I know. to be. Top second baseman, you get him while he's young, like six years or like forty million or something like that. And I, said, I still think it's gonna pan out. I think he'll be it, fine. Everyone said the beauty of that contract was if you didn't pan out, you didn't really lose much. So I mean, yeah, so it was a win-win for the or not? Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's a win-win when one of the wins is a loss. So I don't know how you calculate that. <laughs> All right, that about wraps it up here at Philly Sports Now. Thank you everyone for listening to Philly Sports Now, a Philly fan podcast. You can find us on Twitter at on up there. Philly underscore sports now. That's at Philly underscore SBRTS now. That's sports without the O, folks. Um, I not much else to say. Let's just wrap it up. It's been a it's been a long one. Uh, from all of us here, I'm gonna go with uh, let's go Flyers.